Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 15th of May 2022. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Richard's continuing our series looking at key truths and he looked at our daily choice. The reading is Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 17. So we'll join Richard as he's introducing the service. Welcome to Minehead Baptist Church on this glorious sunny morning. My phone tells me it's going to be 21 degrees later. We'll wait and see. Uh, My name is Richard and I am one of the ministers and it is a a pleasure to welcome you whether you've been here for 70 years or whether you're just visiting for the first time today. It's lovely to see you and come and worship together. A few notices for you uh, this morning. You'll find many of them in the notice sheet, which you can find at either door if you don't get it online. A reminder, please, if you'd like to come to the Jubilee lunch on the 2nd of June, uh, to please sign up. This notice, or the sign-up sheet is on the notice board in the foyer. And could you just put uh, dietary requirements down? I'm sure that was your request last week, wasn't it, Jenny? Was, yes. If you're vegan or a vegetarian. A reminder... Uh, There is no church meeting this Tuesday, and I'll say it again, there isn't a church meeting this Tuesday, just in case you want to turn up. There'll be no one here. Uh, It's a week on Tuesday, so the 24th of May at 7 o'clock, and it'll be lovely to see those of you who are members uh, there. During our prayers at 10, um, on a Saturday, Steve has been going through uh, a book by Richard Foster on how to pray And uh, Under the Rainbow have some copies of the book, and it'd be lovely if anyone would want to join in, uh, that they are available to buy from there, as we explore how to pray together. One last notice from me is uh, we've had a request come in. There is a Ukrainian family looking to move to Minehead to be near another Ukrainian family that's already here, who they're related to, Um, and it's a daughter... A mother, um, and if anyone has a spare room or two, um, although I'm told it's for a minimum of six months, um, but if you'd like to find out more, please do come and speak to me, um, yes, to find out more. But shall we pray? Oh no, I've forgotten one, I've forgotten a notice. Three people have told me this this morning. I'm told there's a big birthday today, and it's big, both uh, numerically and in age. But we want to, uh, how old? Uh, so Alan is over there. It ends in a zero. I'll leave you to guess which one. But do we have any others? Any others? No. So we're going to sing happy birthday to Alan. And I, I'm going to start and then shut up. Because you don't want to hear me leading this year. Happy birthday to you. Was that all right, pitch-wise? Shall we pray as we come to worship? Father, we come to worship you, to adore you. Father, we come to turn ourselves towards you. Father, no matter what has gone on in the week, no matter what is going on in our lives, Lord, we come to focus on you. 
Father, help us to worship you, we pray. Amen. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's uh, lovely to see you. Lovely to see so many visitors here this morning. There's quite a few. Can you raise your hand if you're a visitor? Oh, my word. Right. We haven't got time to find out where you're from, but you're very, very welcome. And you know, when when we come into church on a Sunday morning to worship, we're not always necessarily in in the right frame of mind to worship. Happens even to worship groups. I'm not saying that we're not this morning, but it does happen. You can come to church and you don't feel like worshipping. But in this first song, we're going to sing, and because it says, I will worship with all of my heart. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of decision. And when you decide to worship, and when you engage in worship, the Lord will lift you wherever you are. So I let's stand and sing, I will worship. saved us. Lord, we thank you that we are gathered together in your name, precious Jesus, because you have touched our lives. You have saved our lives and you've brought us together this morning for your purposes, Lord. We just pray your blessing on us as we come together to worship you, to hear your word, to to listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, bless us as we fellowship together in Jesus' name. Right, you've been standing a while. Take a seat. Mark's in the building. Good morning, everybody. Are you feeling good? That's good. Right, a couple of little notices I've got. First of all, Christian Aid Week this week. Um, We've got some lovely handmade bookmarks just out in the hall. If you'd like to buy one, give a donation for one, or give a donation for the work of Christian Aid this week, please put it in the little basket. That would be brilliant. Okay, that's that one. The next one is, I'm looking around, if you are free and you'd like to help with tea and coffee afterwards, that would be a real help. Okay, and then the next one is, who's feeling really tired? (laughs) Who stayed up all night and watched the Eurovision Song Contest? Yes, yes. If you didn't watch the Eurovision Song Contest, you need to get a life, okay? (laughs) And you need to be watching that programme because it is so good. And we finished second, yes! And Ukraine finished first, yes! Right? Oh, I love it. I have got my um, my sheet. This is this is how good I am. I've got all my comments for the Eurovision Song Contest. So I won't go through all of them, but I'll start off with a couple, like Czech Republic, great lights, okay? Romania, not sure what's going on, all right? And then I got to the end on 23-24, and I said, lost the will to live, all right? <laughs> Help, all right? Was that something? But, oh, great night. And that was only halfway through, all right? 
they'll give the wolf a banana. You do, because a grandma or something. I didn't, I didn't get that one either, but I love it. Right, here we go. Who's been to a party? You've been to a party. Who's been to a family gathering? Do you go to a family gathering? And how do you get introduced? Right? Right? Not necessarily, no, because I've been to family gatherings where I've walked in and they've gone, oh, hello, this is Val's son, right? right? Oh, this is Val and Martin's son. Who's had that sort of introduction? Yeah, okay. And they introduce me as someone's son or I might, Sally might be, go to somewhere and they go, oh, this is Mark's wife, right? right? Roy's wife, Okay. Okay, might be Sam's mum and no, sorry. This is um, this is Adam's son. This is Amanda's daughter. All right, those sorts of things. That's how we get introduced. But we're not like that. We're not. I'm not Val. Well, I am Val and Martin's son, but that's not me. I'm Mark. All right. And do you know what? Today's talk is a little bit like God doesn't have grandchildren. So I'm not, no, God doesn't know me as Val and Martin's son because Val and Martin go to church and Val and Martin have got a faith and Val and Martin believe in Jesus. That doesn't mean that I get to go to heaven just because Val and Martin do. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. I'm Mark and I'm a child of God. But I've got to do that for myself. I can't rely on mum and dad going to church. I've got to believe in God. I'm not like Prince Charles. Because Prince Charles was married into the royal family. And yes, he is Elizabeth's son. And he is the heir to the throne. So he will be king. I'm not Prince Charles. I don't get that. I have to make that same choice for myself. So that's this morning's talk, really simple. You are a child of God. You're not your mum and dad's son or daughter. You've got to make that choice for yourself. And you can do it really, really easily. When you choose to follow Jesus... God becomes your dad. God becomes your father. You enter into the most intimate and loving, privileged relationship with God. You can pray. So I want us to pray now. I want us to pray that God will enter into our hearts. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to want to be your children. Help us to be your child. Help us to make the choice for ourselves to ask you into our lives and for you to be our father. Give us wisdom and guidance to follow you closely. Give us wisdom and guidance to love you. And help us, Lord, that as we come closer to you, And we become your children, your child, that we will bring others to you. Amen. Okay. We're going to leave for fire starters, but I think Roy's going to...
pray for us. Well, I'm, I am, but so is everybody else. Brilliant, that's good news. So we ask you all to pray as the, as the children leave. It's a mass exodus, really, um, as they start to leave. So let's pray for them. All together, don't wait for me, just pray for them as they go. Heavenly Father, I just pray for those children and their leaders, Lord. May they be blessed this morning. Lord, may they become heirs and sons and daughters of the King in reality, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, It's a mixture of joy and sadness, really, isn't it? It's a joy to see how many youngsters we have in the church. And it's a bit of sadness when they leave us. But, Lord, they only, they only leave us for a short time. to a time of prayer, a prayer of intercessions, and we pray to God for the world around us. So shall we pray. Father, we want to echo that song, we want to fall at your feet and worship you. Father, we want to pour out our love for you. Father, we want to thank you for your love for us. Your love that rescues us and transforms who we are. Father, thank you that you do work in the world around us. Father, we lift up to you this morning those in our church family and in our community and in our own families and friends who are in need of our prayers. Father, whether it's the realness or financial difficulty or family difficulties, Lord, be with them, we pray. Father, we lift up those on our hearts to you. And pray, Lord, that you would be a comforter, a shelter, a strength, Lord, whether they know you or not. Father, we want to pray for the churches in this country, Lord, this weekend. It's the Baptist Assembly, when Baptist churches from around the country gather together to celebrate your work in them. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the country, Lord, and around the world. Father, we pray for each individual church, that your love would be at work. Father, that your spirit would be at work in those churches. 
And Father, we pray that whether they're riven by disagreement, Lord, or seeing hundreds come to know you, thousands come to know you, Lord, be there, Father. We pray for them, Lord, for your will to be done. Father, we pray again for the war that seems to have been going on for so long in Ukraine. Lord, be in this situation there. Lord, bring peace, Lord. Father, turn aside aggression and anger. Bring peace. Father, we pray for the food situation that could be caused by this war, Lord, the difficulties in getting the harvest out of Ukraine that might come. Father, we think of Lebanon, where they're still trying to rebuild after the explosion several years ago. Of the Yemen, Lord, where hunger seems to only be growing. Father, we pray for food security. Lord, when we learn that between half and a third of all bread made in Africa comes from Ukraine. Father, move in that situation, we pray. Move mightily, Lord. Father, we pray that the world would see you for who you truly are. A God who loves us and cares for us in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're going to sing again. I suggest that as we sing this next song, we use it as a prayer, following those prayers of intercession. If you want to stand, that's fine, but if you want to sit, please use it as a prayer. shield of my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Lord, when we're down, when we look to you, may you lift our heads. We pray that for the people of Ukraine this morning, when they're feeling down and beaten. Be the lifter of their heads, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now we're going to come to God's word. I'm reading from the book of Romans, chapter 8. And starting at verse 1. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship and daughterhood. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we're children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Becca. Got a challenge for some of you this morning. Think back to when you first became a Christian. For some of you, that's going to be a bit longer than others. And for some of you, it may not have even happened just quite yet. But did you think that everything was going to suddenly get better? And that you're going to do everything absolutely perfectly? I won't ask you if you did think that or not. 
But did it happen? Did everything suddenly become perfect and easy and straightforward and you followed everything you read in the Bible perfectly? I'm going to make a presumption. I hope you'll forgive me that the answer is no. They didn't suddenly become perfect and straightforward and all those other things. And if it did, can you come and tell me afterwards your secret, please, so that we can all learn it. For when we come to follow Christ, we don't suddenly become perfect people. We don't suddenly become perfect Christians. For we have a battle on our hands. A battle with what in Romans is called the flesh. Verses 5 to 7 of those passages we've just read, Paul writes, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God's. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. We read here of two choices, two options for our life. To focus on the flesh and all that that brings with it, or to focus on the spirit and all that comes with that. Death or life and peace. I know which one I'd pick. Doesn't seem like much of a choice, does it? Yet so often we find ourselves choosing the first of those options. The good news, though, is that when we become Christians, changes start to happen. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 36, we read an amazing prophecy. God says to his people, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Our hearts are changed when we accept Jesus into our lives. We enter into new life with Christ We accept a new spiritual master, God. No longer will we be subject to sin, subject to the mastery of our flesh. These things change, and yet some things don't. Bad news for some of you, we don't change physically. We don't suddenly become beautiful people. Of course, you all are, really. We still feel the draw of the flesh, of what has been called the sinful tendency, our tendency to choose sin. But we're still tempted by sin. Yet we are no longer sinful beings, corrupted by it. For we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We become free of sin when we accept Jesus into our lives. When we ask for forgiveness. Yet even as we become free of sin, it doesn't mean that sin has completely gone. 
from our lives, that it's no longer there, that's completely disappeared. Instead, it means we are no longer slaves to sin. For it has no power over us anymore. We have become alive to God and dead to sin. It all sounds lovely, doesn't it? But we don't always feel that way. We can all wake up in the morning and go, I just don't feel alive to God, connected to God. For what Paul calls the law of sin is still there. The law of sin that could rip us away from God still is there. Yet we can't overcome something that is still effective and in place. Let me paint a picture for you. If I was to leap off this stage and flap my wings, or my wings, my arms, don't have wings as far as I'm aware, but I'm not going to suddenly fly, am I? No matter how hard I try, I'm going to land on that floor just there. Because the law of gravity would still be in effect Yet we know that I can fly. If I get in a plane, I will hopefully take off and fly safely to where I want to go. Why, we might ask, because the law of lift and thrust and all those other physics things that I don't really understand have taken over. They're greater laws. And so the true, same is true when we think of the law of God, the law of the Spirit, as opposed to the law of sin. God's law is greater than sin. We read in verse 2 of that passage, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free. Free by the law of the Spirit, which is more powerful than the law of sin. We can choose to move above and beyond sin and the hold it has on our lives. We're faced with choices in life. I'm not talking about those little choices that we have, whether what way we'd walk to church as I had this morning or what we buy in the supermarket or whether we go out for coffee. But a much bigger and deeper one relating to sin. We know that sin no longer has any power over us, don't we? And yet we still choose to give into it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes of three different types of people. The first are those who do not accept God and are guided by the flesh. Those who don't yet know Christ. The second is those, the normal Christian whose spirit, or the ideal state of a Christian, whose spirit is united with God's spirit. They demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. They submit to God's. They are more and more joyful and peaceful. Something that all who follow Christ are moving towards. 
And then we have a third group, those who have accepted Christ, but are still guided by the flesh. Whether through a choice not to walk in the spirit or through being deceived and don't know how to walk in the spirit. Their minds are occupied by wrong thoughts. Negative feelings abound. God seems at times a long, long way away. This can become a cycle that we feel we can never escape from. Yet we know that this is not the truth. We can convince ourselves that we're not good enough to walk with God, to know his spirit. Or we can say to ourselves, what works for others won't work for us. This is not true. No one is beyond the power of God. Christ has the power to free and change each and every one of us. We get led astray by all sorts of different things. We can find it very easy to hold on to things that make us angry. We can hold on to the anger in our lives. Sometimes for hours, sometimes for days, sometimes for years. Letting it fester and turn us into someone that God doesn't want us to be. And that anger turns into the sin of bitterness and unforgiveness. It keeps pulling us back to sinful ways. Ways that are not of God. We're called to forgive one another. And we have a choice to make. To live bound by sin or to live free in the spirit. Casting off what binds us. Now you may well be asking what it means when I say walking in the spirit. That is an excellent question. We're going to start by answering that with what it isn't. So here we go. It's not just a good feeling. It's not just feeling warm and fuzzy all the time. If we base our life on that, we'll be like an adrenaline seeker, always seeking the next thrill. It's not a license to do whatever we want. God tells us how to live responsible lives. And we should try and stick to that. But at the same time, it's not legalism. It's not just obeying a set of rules and regulations on how to live. The Old Testament gave us rules to follow. Think of the Ten Commandments, for instance. These are the ideal. But as we see time and time again throughout Scripture and in, indeed in our own lives, no one can possibly ever live up to all these ideals, can they? Instead, they show us how much we need Jesus so that we might be set free. For if we reduce following Jesus down to following a set of rules, our walk with God becomes a joyless trudge. A walk that seems to be a lot of effort with no promise of anything better at the other end. We're not encouraged to keep going. 
And yet, if we follow Jesus and love him, we're called to obey because we want to. Obey because it's what our Lord and Heavenly Father God has called us to do. Not because we feel we have to, but because we should delight in doing his will. Isn't that a change to how the world sees Christianity? The world seems to have reduced it to a set of laws and rules that we should follow. And yet that completely misses the point. So we've done what this walking by the Spirit isn't. Let's do what it is. It's true freedom. That has hopefully become clear. The devil can't make us give in to the desires of the flesh. And in that freedom, we have the freedom to be the people God created us to be. Walking in faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be led by our Father in heaven who loves us and wants what is best for us. For he knows each and every one of us better than we know ourselves. And it will mean walking at God's pace in the right direction. God knows what is best for us and knows where to lead us and how to lead us. We can't expect to do anything lasting on our own. Anything we do in our own power will last but a short while. Only through the work of the Spirit in us will we create anything worthwhile. And how can we tell if we're walking by the Spirit? The simple answer to this that might be easy to see, our lives will increasingly bear the hallmarks of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We find those in Galatians chapter 6 at the end. If you're living by the flesh, giving in to the temptation of the world... You'll probably know it. Most of us know when we shouldn't be doing things, don't we? To walk with the Spirit is at its heart quite a simple thing. We have to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit into us to fill us and obey the promptings of the Spirit. We have to want to. We have to ask for it. But when we ask, it will be given. I've got some slightly bad news for you, I suspect. We don't just have to do this once, though. It's a moment-by-moment exercise of choosing the spirit over the flesh. It doesn't just happen once. If it did, we'd all be, have very easy lives, I suspect. But the flesh is constantly there to try and drag us away, to do other things that are not of God. We always have the choice to walk by the Spirit or by the flesh. To be soaring free or to be bound by sin.
we're called to make that first choice to walk by the Spirit. We all face a choice, that choice that every one of us makes all the time. Some of you, I know, will already be at that stage, in that stage of making a decision to walk with the Spirit or give in to the flesh. Yet others of you have never had to make that choice, never made the first choice to walk with the Spirit, walk with God, walk with Jesus. Make the choice to be free of the chains that bind us, hold us down, restrict us, cause us not to be who we're called to be. And if you've not yet made that choice, that choice is there for you. To welcome God into your life. To welcome Jesus in as your Lord and Saviour. And if that's you, please do come and speak to me after. We'd love to pray for you and talk to you. But we all face a choice day by day, moment by moment. Which way are you going to choose? To walk by the Spirit, by faith, by trust in God, or to give in to the choice The temptation of the flesh of sin that pulls us away from God. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the choice you give us. The choice to walk by your spirit, to walk with you. Father, we pray that we would be strong enough to choose to walk with you. Father, we'd be strong enough to not give in to the temptations set before us. Father, help us, we pray. Help us to seek you. Father, help us to grow along with you. And Father, we pray that we would see the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Father, we pray that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control would grow in our lives. That they'd be visible fruits of you. Father, help us to choose you. Amen. We're now going to sing again. Richard mentioned at the at the start of his his address about thinking about when you were first became a Christian. this song is what I learnt when I first became a Christian. I think it was one of the first songs I learned to play or sing. Um, it's so old that it isn't in Songs of Fellowship. <laughs> it's, it was actually in Songs and Hymns of Fellowship, which some of you might remember. So, um, it's a, but it's based on, on our reading on Romans 8, uh, 
verse 1. Does anybody know there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ? In a blank look, right. Stand and learn. We're going to finish with the words from Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to monhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.